a scream, like a absolute scream erupted from Addy in front of us. Now Addy is the youngest member of our team, he's 23. And of course, Ibrahim and I looked up and there was Callum, the lead camel, his lead camel up to his chest in the sand. And we basically hit quicksand. Welcome back to When It Hits The Fan, the podcast that finds out what really happens when things go wrong on the road. Brought to you by Battleface Travel Insurance. Our guest today has been described as Indiana Jones for girls. And she's certainly been in enough hairy situations to rival her Hollywood counterpart. Whether it's competing in the grueling Marathon de Saab, which sees participants taking on six marathons in six days across the unforgiving landscape of the Sahara Desert, or being the first woman to trek the 1,500-kilometer length of the Dra River in Morocco, Alice Morrison is never too far away from adventure. In 2015, she accomplished a world first with the Atlas to Atlantic trek, hiking from the highest point in North Africa, Mount Tutbal, to the Atlantic Ocean. And in 2016, 2017, she embarked on an Arabian adventure from Morocco to Timbuktu as part of a BBC Two documentary series. Alice hosts her own podcast, Alice in Wonderland, and we will put a link in the video description below so you can check that out. But that's enough backstory. Let's hear from the woman herself. Uh, Alice, uh, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Nice to see you. And you. And I, I understand you're currently back in the UK. I am. I came over 11 days ago. So today is my first day out of quarantine. And this was straight from Morocco? Straight from Morocco, yeah. Drove down from the mountains to Marrakesh, got on the plane and started on the very long journey back, which complicated by COVID, of course, like everything is. Like everything, absolutely. And... As I understand it, then your your tale of uh, you know a, a kind of near miss or, or perilous situation actually took place in Morocco as well. Is that right? It did, and it, it took place just under a year ago, actually. Um, About eleven where, where, months. Eleven months ago, yeah. Now I know I know you've done a couple of uh, expeditions in Morocco. Which one was this part of? So I, I started off by becoming, um, I decided to walk the length of the Dra River, which is the longest river in Morocco. Uh, it's probably about 1500 kilometers. And I did that and then liked it so much <laughs> that I, my expedition organizer, Jean-Pierre said, Alice, he's French, Alice, why don't you just join it up and do the whole of Morocco? So I did two more legs, Sahara, which I was doing this time last year. I was actually in the Sahara and then the north part which i've just finished and i finished um at the end of october so i actually managed to pop out a proper exploration expedition this year which you know after corona which i'm kind of proud about absolutely yeah yeah um so wh whereabouts was this in, in morocco then when where the incident actually took place so this was during the Sahara expedition, which was walking from Tantan, roughly on the um, Atlantic coast, down to Morocco's border with Mauritania in Gergerat, which is also, um, depending on your politics, is also part of a disputed area called the Western Sahara. So this was about 20 days walk from Gergerat, so south of Dakhla. Okay, do you wanna tell us what happened? 
Yeah. So we were, just to give you a bit of context for the expedition, it was myself, my um, three Amazir guides, Amazir Berber guides, uh, Adi, Brahim, and Lahu, and our six camels, um, Hamish, Callum, Alistair, Sausage, Hector, and we were walking quite near the coast. So we'd, 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 our route had taken us inland. We, were, we started off inland, but then we moved out to the coast and then we moved slightly inland again. So we were varied through. Um, there were lots of complications in this expedition, not least the last 10 days was completely through a landmine area because it is an area under military dispute. In fact, there has been a flare up of fighting there uh, in the last few weeks. So it was... There were certainly, I would say, perils involved, but some perils you don't expect. So we were walking along. Um, we'd actually, the biggest peril for us was running out of water and self-evident, if you don't have water, you will die. Uh, and unlike the camels, we can't go for very long without water as human beings. And that was really, you know, the big lessons from nature. Our nature is bigger than any human and can crush you. So we were always looking for water and actually there were very few wells in this expedition. We had to rely on the generosity of the nomads that we met and they would supply us with water. But we'd, we'd found a well, so we just filled up and we took these enormous, you know, enormous plastic containers um, to fill up with water. And then the reason we had the camels, we didn't ride them, was to carry our food, our supplies. So we just filled up, the camels were very heavily laden and we were walking in, in, in formation. So um, Addi and Lahu were at the front with three camels, Callum, Alistair and Sausage. And then behind them were, was me and Brahim with our three camels, which was Hunter. Let me just get this in the right order because it is kind of important. It was Hunter, Hamish, no, Hamish, Hunter and another camel whose name I've temporarily forgotten, which is very bad of me. Is it, is it Hector? Hunter. Hector! <laughs> get Hector, well done. So we were walking along very calmly and that day we, we, we saw in front of us what we call a sabcha in Arabic and sabcha means a, a load of a, a depression and we were about I'd say 10 kilometers from the coast and normally we would avoid the sabcha um, because it's like a depression and the sand is quite soft and this day, Lahu and Brahim had an argument. Now Brahim was the head of our expedition and Lahu was but Lahu was older. And certainly in, in the Muslim culture, you know, you have a great respect for your elders. And also on an expedition, as Brahim said to me, he said, I'm the leader, but I can't, we're all in this together. You can't always have your own way. So he deferred to Lahu, who said, look, it's gonna take us an extra day to go around the Sabcha. Let's just go straight across. It looks pretty firm, we'll be fine. And we decided to cross the Sabcha. So what, what, actually, are, what are some of the risks of crossing a subcar normally? Um, the risks are that you'll come across water and it will cut you off. So you, because it's, it's water underneath. So you might come across, you know, you, you'll, you'll be halfway across and there'll suddenly be a great big blooming river valley sweeping through it that you can't see from a distance mm -hmm. because it goes down. That's one of the big risks. Um, the other risk is, is quicksand. I mean, that is the risk of the subcar really. So we, we crossed this and we were just walking along and, I, and Brahim and I were chatting. And I was saying, oh, Brahim, it's really, you know, this is fine. We've been walking for about an hour. I was like, this is not too bad. It feels like the sand's really firmed up here because it's not only is it a risk on, on soft sand, 
it's also very tiring, frankly, walking on soft sand, as you all know. So we're walking along and almost as soon as those words left my mouth, a scream, like a absolute scream erupted from Addy in front of us. Now Addy is the youngest member of our team, he's 23. And of course, Ibrahim and I looked up and there was Callum, the lead camel, his lead camel up to his chest in the sand and we basically hit quicksand. So from a complete and utter calm, you know, just walking along, chatting, suddenly we were in, in mayhem, in, in complete and utter chaos. Adi was screaming, Lahu, Lahu, get here, get here. Lahu ran up and they were trying to drag Callum out of the sand. Now, I mean, a camel weighs several, t you know, a couple of tonnes. You, you can't lift a male camel. Mm. Callum is plunging and rearing and roaring. Camels make this kind of roaring sound. And the thing is they're tied together. So each camel is on a halter around its bottom teeth, a rope tied to the chest of the next camel so that they're tied in with each other. So Cam Callum basically pulled Alistair, the next camel down with him into this quicksand. And this all happens. I'm the amount of time I'm talking to you now, it's already over, but at the time it seems to take forever. So the men and the camels have a very, very strong bond because they've been working together and walking together for years. And Addy has the trust of his animals and he managed to drag Callum's head up and combination of making him move back pushing him back and pulling him, he got his front legs out of the sand because with quicksand, the danger is that the animals will hit the water underneath because it's basically a layer of what feels like steady ground, but it's not onto water. And if you hit the water, that's it, you're dead. The, you, your animal will drown and it won't drown in the water, it'll drown in the sand, which is a horrific death. Mm -hmm. um, so he grabbed Callum out and Alistair and then he yelled for me and they call me Zahra in Arabic. Zahra, Zahra, come here. So I ran up to him and held the third camel. So the three of us are all occupied here. Brahim had immediately, when he heard the screams, turned the other three camels back to head back for sure, effectively. So he was immediately walking back, tracing our footsteps, which is what you do in a landmine and what you also do. Um, in quicksand so we got the camels up and it was like I was you know I was leading them on turned around tracing our footsteps and two seconds later suddenly Brahim's lead camel goes down hunter same thing up to his chest so again the men immediately spring into action so they're like Zahra stay here stay with the camels so I have to stand absolutely still with I take the three back camels and I mean, that sounds like nothing, but you, you're standing there, you know that the ground underneath you is unstable now, and you've got three very heavy, very agitated animals. Because mm -hmm. they're all, I mean, animals are like us. You know, if you just plunged into your, up to your chest in an element that you didn't recognize, you'd be terrified. So the camels are kind of really like shaking around tossing their heads, moving, and I'm trying to keep them as still as possible. Meanwhile, the men have got to Hunter. They take all of his water and his camel bag, his, his big sacks off his back, because that weighs probably, he was probably carrying about 70 kilos, took all of that off. And again, the same thing by a mixture of, of pulling him up and getting his head up, they cut the rope to the second camel, pulled him out, and we got back and we were all safe. Yeah. Um, 
but it felt like those those i don't know a minute a minute and a half two minutes whatever it was felt like a lifetime and we we had that thing and i don't i mean i'm sure this is common to everybody as we started walking back we were absolutely diligent then and going in our traces and we kept we redistributed the weight so all of us took some of the weight on our backs so that the camels weren't you know as much as we could but realistically you know i mean i can't carry a 30 kilogram thing of water for a long way so it, it was minor but we we had that overwhelming kind of sense of relief and that adrenaline readjustment so the whole way back it's like we just spent the whole time kind of not not laughing but just revisiting stories of danger and revisiting the story that we just done it's like our our own story over and over again and mm. did you see when callum the camel did that did you yeah. Patsy did this and how did you do that and that we just spent the whole of the rest of the day doing that and actually i mean in terms of the expedition we lost the whole day's walking because we had to retrace our steps completely. And it, it was quite a moment. And afterwards in the camp, <laughs> we didn't have very many resources because obviously we're in the middle of nowhere and we've got no supplies. Um, it was, you know, Christmas day lunch was sardines and macaroni, which believe you me is not ideal Christmas lunch, <laughs> but I'd actually saved a small bottle of Coke as like a treat for when we were really desperate. Um, and I and I'd, I'd saved it in all my stuff. And that night I, I wet a cloth and wrapped it around so it was a bit cool. And then at supper that night, which was just something grim, I can't remember, it might have been the worst ever, which was porridge with oil. <laughs> <laughs> um, I whipped out my little bottle of Coke. And we basically, the four of us all in Moroccan tea glasses, which as you know, are like that size, we all had managed to get like two tiny glasses of Coke. And it felt like the biggest party ever. And because the men are very, very religious and they, we thanked God for, our, for bringing the camels safely with us. And I think those, that moment of happiness and joy and camaraderie and relief is such a counterpart to the terror and those moments of like, you know, this is catastrophic. So that's really the kind of nub of doing expeditions is sometimes it's just boring and normal and fine. Sometimes it's happy, sometimes it's sad, sometimes you're tired. But then when you have those very extreme moments, the, the great thing afterwards was, was our gratefulness and thanks for being safe, for not having lost our animals. Um, especially not having lost our animals because they were everything to us mm. and you feel so joyful and happy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I suppose what surprised me, in, you know, kind of when you were telling this story was how suddenly, you know, it came about, how suddenly you were aware that there was a problem. You know, if the camel was up to its chest, seemingly, yeah. you know, instantaneously, I yeah. suppose my the image in my head from having watched, you know, whatever 80s television shows with quicksand is, you know, it's quite a sort of slow process and you slowly sink into it. But it, it sounds almost like kind of, you know, falling into water by the way you've described it. I, that's exactly what it was like. It's almost like, a, I guess, you know, like, I don't know if you've ever just put your foot in a pothole and you think you're just going to go down like a quarter of an inch and you go into your, up to your knee. It was, the, the camel went straight in. There was no sudden, oh, it's a bit gloopy. Actually, the, the, at, that, at that place we were at, the sand was actually slightly firmer than it had been earlier. 
But we, the reality is we should never have crossed the subha. We should have taken the long way around. Yeah, but so we did it. You know, lesson, lesson learned in terms of, uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, no, no shortcuts in the desert if uh, there is a risk no. of uh, quicksand. It, no. Is, how, how aware uh, were you of, of the risks of quicksand, you know, before you set out? Was it like, well, okay, of course, it, it, it's possible that you can encounter it, but it's very rare. Or were you like, well, look, this is something we need to take very seriously. Uh, we weren't aware of it in that in that way. I mean, we knew we knew that crossing the subha was a risk, and we shouldn't have done it. And as I say, Brahim kind of gave in to Lahu because it's always you know you you have to weigh up how far you're going to travel over the terrain because we're on an expedition. We have to we 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 have to complete it. We have to get there, and you know we, we are talking about significant amounts of detour. But no, on reflection, we shouldn't have done it. And I don't think any of us would ever take that risk again because we were lucky. Absolutely. And um, I mean, what, what in terms of a, obviously this was, this was camels who were you know, heavily laden and understandably yeah. they, they sunk very quickly into the sand. Um, are, are there recommended techniques for humans uh, who suddenly find themselves uh, encountering quicksand? I think it's the same. It's like... I, to be honest, this, this is very similar to how I imagined thick ice and then water. It's almost like if you think of Callum, he, he kind of cracked the, 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 the layer of sand that was covering it. And the, the, the um, techniques I think are very similar. You, you don't have a pressure point of heaviness. You need to distribute the weight and try and get, get out that way. So, you know, you would, you would use a branch or a rope or something to try and pull the person out that way. Yeah, maybe um, lie, lie on your back or front so you can kind of drag yourself out and exactly yeah, not distribute exactly. your weight through the bottom of your feet only. Exactly. Don't 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 keep yourself in a vertical position. You you want to you know you want to distribute your weight. You want, and do not. I mean, the problem for the camels was they they were flailing. You know that you can imagine a camel. They're very big, heavy beasts, and they were flailing. So they had these huge legs kind of churning up the sand. And of course, when you do that, you're much more likely to go down into the water beneath. So that's why the speed with which Adi reacted, particularly, was completely crucial. I mean, you know, Berbers are, you know, famously desert survival experts, I suppose. Uh, how useful was it to, to have those kind of seasoned, you know, desert travelers or, or desert dwellers, you know, on your side and with you when, when this was happening? Well, I mean, you know, I was like, they, they, <laughs> I talk about the expedition because I'm, I'm, I'm the writer and I've done the TV and I'm, I'm the storyteller, if you like, but the expedition was an expedition of four of us. And of the four of us, I was by far the least useful. You know, I was the least, the, the men did every, they were everything. They were completely my set. There is no way I could have done that solo. Actually, I don't think any person would want to or could do that solo because you need, you need to have enough people to carry the water is the truth. You, you need to have enough water with you. And you know, you can't actually carry enough water for yourself for say eight days when you can't refuel. Um, but yeah, the, they, you know, their knowledge of the region, their knowledge of how to find what you know do you know how to find a well very few people do and when you're walking something that's a kilometer away is not visible to you so you could you could pass within a kilometer of something to save your life and you wouldn't see it so yeah absolutely having the men was everything i mean they were my guides 
um, they taught me all of my now that I my hard won desert craft. And so yes, they were they were everything to me. And there's no way I could have done it on my own. Wow. Um Alice, what what what's next for you? You, you know, you said you're you're heading back to uh, Morocco. Is this for the next stage of, of the current expedition? Do you have any other expeditions planned for the area? No, I finished I finished my 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 trilogy across Morocco. So I've now walked the whole length of Morocco with my camels and explored and found a lost city, dinosaur footprints, um, combated snakes, been in quicksand, walked across landmines. Don't do that last one. Um, <laughs> So no, my next adventure will be outside of Morocco, uh, but I live in Morocco, so I'm going back to live and to write my book. But I've just been commissioned so by Simon Schuster, so I've got to get a couple of months of heavy in. Fantastic. Well, um, of course, you know we know you're you're very active on uh, social media, and of course you have your own podcast. So we will uh, be sure to put your details. Uh, in the description of the video below so that people can find out more about you, about the expeditions you've done, and of course about future expeditions. Uh, but until then, Alice, uh, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Cheers. Bye-bye. Well, that's about as much as we've got time for uh, this episode. It's fantastic listening to Alice's story. And again, if you want to check her out, we will put um, the link for her uh, website, podcast, and uh, her social media handles in the description of the video below. Join us next time when we're going to have some more fantastic guests on uh, when it hits the fan. And of course, if you give us a like, we would appreciate it greatly. And subscribe if you want to be informed of when the next video is coming out. Until then... Goodbye.